This sermon is brought to you by Shofar Christian Church. We hope that you will be blessed by this message. Our audio and video sermons are also available on Shofar TV to download and share. Now I want to greet you with the same greeting as Paul greeted in 2 Corinthians 13 verse 14. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. Isn't that amazing way just to greet somebody? How Paul greeted. Um, just a couple of verses before that, he actually talks about greet each other with a holy kiss. So we'll, we'll skip that part. Um, seeing that, that I haven't done that holy kiss part yet and, and we, it's, it's not part of our culture yet. But, um, yeah, greet each other also with a holy kiss. But the scripture says, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you. You know, each one of us sitting here, we are God's beloved. We are His beloveds. I can tell you just so many, so many stories. Um, I was not too sure what, what I was going to call the sermon. But his love secures. His love secures. Now, a couple of days ago, I had the great, I had a great privilege of going to Parliament to go and pray in Parliament. And it was, it was really an amazing opportunity, but I didn't do anything to deserve to go to, to Parliament. Um, I still don't really know how I actually ended up there, but it was really an amazing opportunity just to see how we invited God into our country, how we invited and how we repented of the things that held our country captive for so long. Maybe something that you, that you didn't know, but that whole day of, that happened in Parliament was started because of a lady that lives on a farm in KwaZulu-Natal. Who of you guys knew that? One person, two people. There was a lady in KwaZulu-Natal that felt a burden that we need to pray in Parliament. Just a normal person like you and me had a burden to go and pray in Parliament. So she contacted the, the ACDP and from there just went like big. But what stood out that morning or that afternoon was when Uncle Angus came up and when he shared. And he said, the biggest challenge that we as a nation face is that we are fatherless. We are fatherless. And I'll go on some other things that he also shared. But the biggest challenge that we face is that we are fatherless. Now, I don't know how many of us that's sitting here had an amazing father. Many of us didn't have a very good example of a father. But this morning, God wants to show you his love. He wants to show you that he is your father. And there's, there's nothing greater than knowing the Lord, to commune with Him. There's nothing greater than that. Amen. Just want to read a scripture in Galatians 2 verse 20. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Man, that just boggles my mind. It's no longer I who live, but it's Christ that lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself for me. That means, Dolis, 
which was my nickname back in, in high school, he's dead. He's no longer there. He's dead. Your old self is dead. It's crucified with Christ. When God sees you, he sees Christ. He sees Jesus. And that excites him. When we realize that we died, and it is Christ that lives in us, our life starts to transform. Our life starts to change. That part where, where it says that I live by faith in the Son of God. Where does faith come from? John Ray just touched, touched on that. Hebrews 11, 6 says, it's not on the, on the slides, but without faith, it is impossible to please Him. For he who comes to God must believe that He is, and that He is a rewarder of those who diligent, diligently seek Him. A couple of days ago, Talita and myself were, were praying. There was this, this possible job opportunity that, that she heard about in, in her company. But her first thought was, no, I'm comfortable in, in the job that, that I have now. And at church last week, the Lord started to challenge her um, because she's never asked God about this other opportunity that, that she, she can apply for. And while she was at church, she was starting to pray. And then she, she asked me, my love, what do you think? And then I said, love, no opportunity is more important than first hearing from God. We need to know what the Lord says. And for me, it was, it doesn't really matter what the opportunity is as long as it is something that God wants. And we prayed about it, and she was diligently seeking the Lord. And she had this, this thought of, I'm going to ask the Lord this crazy thing, and if that happens, then, then I would know that, that I need to apply for, for this position. And she was saying that this, if this manager phones me and tells, tells me that, that I need to apply for this position, then I will know that it is of the Lord. So, a couple of hours later during that, that day, not that manager phoned her, but one of the directors of, of the company that, that she works for, and he phones her, and as, she, as he phones her and she picks up and she recognizes who it is, she, ta- she tells him that, I know why you are calling. And he said, well, I'm not actually supposed to call you, but um, seeing that you've opened the, the conversation, I would really like you to apply for, for this position. So the Lord, when we go and search the Lord diligently, then he opens up the doors. Even in the small things that we ask him, when we diligently seek him. So that scripture says, that we need to believe that he is and believe that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Hebrews 11 verse 1 says, by faith we understand. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So faith is that substance of the things that we are hoping for. Is the evidence of the things that we haven't seen. Romans 10 verse 17 says, So then faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. How many of us are reading the word of God? How many of us are communing with God on a daily basis? That's the most amazing thing that we have access to, is to commune with God, to spend time in the Word of God so that our faith can be built. We all have access to that. 
A number of years ago, there was not even Bibles that was printed. They had to go to someone like a preacher to go and hear what is written in the Bible. We've got access to the Bible all the time. We can read the Word all the time. We can meditate on it all the time. It's so precious. I want to encourage each one of you to spend time in this holiday. If you're not taking a break, spend time in the Word. Meditate on Scripture. Because that is how our faith is built. I want to tell you quickly a a story of, or I want to quickly read a portion of Scripture. It's not not on that slide. I, I just got it this morning after I already saved everything on. But do you know the story of the prodigal son? Yes? Good. How many prodigal sons were there? That's a curveball. <laughs> How many prodigal sons? One. There were two prodigal sons. There was the younger brother that lived it out, and then there was the older brother who was the religious brother. Check this out. So this is when the, when the, the younger son returned. Luke 15 verse 29 we see. So he answered and said to his father, Lo, these many years I've been serving you. I never transgressed your commandment at any time. And yet you never gave me a young goat that I might make merry with my friends. That I might make merry with my friends. That is how I can see he was also a prodigal. Because real sons, when we really are sons, we commune with our father. We social with our father. This son just wanted a party for his friends, to go and celebrate with his friends. He didn't understand his inheritance that he has. He didn't understand that everything that belongs to the Father also belongs to Him. How many times do we live life in a slave or religious mentality of just doing something so that we can get? But God is calling us. He's saying, come to me. Come and party with me. Come and commune with me. I'm your Father. I love you. Everything I have, I share with you. It makes me think of a young man that I know. And this young man, his father, his earthly father built up this massive kingdom of lots of companies and lots of, lots of earthly, earthly success. And he's the one that is earmarked to actually inherit everything and but he's going about this that every time he's, he's also working working at, at the company every time there's work that is added he sees it like if there's a new order or something that comes in he sees that as more work he's not looking at it from a point of view that this is his inheritance and this morning I want to tell you that we've got the greatest greatest inheritance that is waiting for us. We can start living from that inheritance here on earth. So remember, there was two prodigal sons. The one that just wanted to go, he actually lived it out. He lived out what he felt. The other one was very religious and he just tried to please his father. This morning I want to say that the old you has been crucified. God looks at you through his eyes and he sees Jesus that is in you.
we went for a nice dinner the, the other evening on, on Monday evening, seeing that we didn't have to arrange any babysitters and all sorts of things. And we were sitting and we, we went to a nice restaurant. Um, I know there's 10 other stories that's coming to mind, but in any case, so we were sitting and we, we actually, after a while, there was another couple that, that came in and we were sitting and, and Talita and myself, we've, we've got this thing that this, this cell phone, we try and cut the cell phone out of our conversation because it really takes a lot and, and Maybe some of you, you feel a bit convicted, but I also have a challenge with a cell phone from time to time because there's stuff that keeps on coming and it takes your attention. And we were sitting in, in this restaurant and, and this other couple had the seven year anniversary. But what was challenging was the fact that they were sitting and they were more on their cell phones than what they were actually communing with each other, communicating with each other. And I want to challenge each one of us that is here, take that cell phone and switch it off. I can tell you so many funny stories about cell phones. Um, Mel, you might remember the one at the camp. Um, I went camping on the family camp a couple of, couple of weeks ago and with the Stellenbosch, with the Stellenbosch congregation and in the evening I went for, for a jog and I still had to get some discovery points. I don't know how many of you have this type of watch, but you need to get like a certain amount of, of points every week. So I'm sort of enslaved, but to this watch, but it's a good way. In a, it's, it's some, in some way it's good because I exercise now more than what I exercised. I'm fitter than what I was when I was still at school. So, I actually you know, enjoy the jog now. So I was running, and about 12, 13 minutes in, I saw this beautiful patch of lawn with lots of leaves on, and it looked like amazing. So I was running. And just before that, I had like this thought of, um, Sias was preaching one time about a swamp or a, a place um, drift sand that you, in India, that you need to keep out of. So I was running, running, and the next moment, I see this beautiful piece, and the next moment, I'm deep under the water. Cell phone, watch, everything was in water, covered with water. So I had quite a lot of challenges with, with this phone, and I had to literally die every time because I had to set up a phone probably about four times now because of the water damage, and eventually... Just got another phone, but those phones can be very distracting. I want to challenge you guys to switch the phones off, especially when you have quiet time, especially when you have time with your family, because God wants our undivided attention. He wants to show us His love. Maybe you are sitting here this morning and and you're really hating December because December can sometimes be a very lonely time because there's not a lot of people around um, you're probably about 80 90 people this morning everybody has everybody has uh, has gone for for holiday but sometimes December can be a very lonely time but I want to challenge you this year invite someone over Don't wait for someone to invite you. But use this time to commune with God. He's going to show you His love on a new level. He's going to show you how much He loves you. It's the most amazing thing when you know that the Father loves you. He loves you so deeply. Even those things that you believe separates you. His love can never be separated from you. He loves you. How do I know that? He sent His Son to die for you. He sent His Son to die for you.
Colossians 3 from 1 to 3 says, If then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on things of the earth. And there's the part again. For you died. And your life is hidden with Christ. For you died. And your life is hidden with Christ. Sometimes there's still parts of us that is sort of sticking out. And we need to remember that we have died. Everything has died. But when there's things that's still sticking out, we need it to die. A couple of, couple of days ago, um, we were going through a bit of a, a challenging time with, with our holiday. We were supposed to go with people and then they, they said, well, unfortunately there's some other family that, that is coming with, so we can't, can't come with anymore. And then a couple of weeks later, they phoned us and said, well, these people, they're not coming anymore, so you guys are welcome to come again. And we were sitting there, and Talita was looking at me. She's like, what do I make out of this? And I tell her, we have to die to ourselves. We have to die. (laughs) Isn't that sometimes very challenging? That we need to die to ourselves. We need to die in Christ because he, we've actually been crucified in Christ. John 16 verse 8 and 9. It's not on there. Or is it on there? Yes, it is. Nice. And when he has come, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Of sin because they do not believe in me. What is sin? Sin is very simply unbelief. It's not believing that God is enough. Whatever that sin is that you are struggling with, the bottom line is that God is enough. He is enough. Whatever that addiction is, God is enough. Give it over to God. Give that part over. Give everything over to Him. Because we have been crucified with Christ. We are dead. If there's still a part of you that's sort of sticking out, come to Him. Give that part over to Him. If it's rejection, maybe you've had a tough upbringing. Maybe your earthly father abused you. Maybe he was not the perfect father. But the good news this morning is that we've got a perfect father. We've got a father that loves us. Give that part, give that rejection over to him. Because he wants to comfort you. He wants to see that you are made whole. That you come to Him. Give it over to Him. He is enough. He has sent us the helper to comfort us, to show us. Because He accepts us. He accepts us the way we are. Colossians 2, 6 and 7 says, As you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in Him, rooted and built up in Him, and established in the faith, as you have been taught, abounding in it with thanksgiving. Walk in Him, be rooted, be rooted in Christ. You see, God is calling us to be one. One in Christ. One in the Father. One in each other. If we read 1 John 17 verse 21, it says, That they all may be one, as you, Father, are in me, and I in you. 
that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that you sent me. This was a prayer that Jesus prayed to believers, or for believers that, that were still going to believe in him. And look how amazing it is what happens in Acts. After, after Jesus died and he saved them, Acts 4.32, it's not on. Now the multitude of those who believed were of one heart and one soul. Neither did anyone say that any of the things he possessed was his own, but they had all things in common. Isn't that amazing? They had all things in common. And I really believe that that God is taking us back into the days of Acts, back into those days where everything, whatever we, we own, belongs to each other. Our Western mindset has compartmentalized us in such a great way that it's all about me and I and myself. But I really believe that this will be the one thing that stands out in the end times is how we live our lives. How everything that we have belongs to each other. Believe those days of acts are coming back. Come to the Father. Everything belongs to the Father. There's not one thing that doesn't belong to Him. Everything belongs to Him. Just to quickly go back to the, the other son. You see, his brother, the older brother, envied his younger brother when he came back. And this morning, is the envy of another brother. The father is enough. He loves you. He wants you to come home, to come and sit in his love. Did you know that, it's got nothing to do with the sermon, but that Jesus was crucified because of envy. Go and read scripture. Jesus was crucified because of envy. It says that the Pharisees were envious of Jesus because of the the works that, that Jesus did. Okay, then another exciting part. 2 Corinthians 6, verse 1. We are co-laborers. Marks of the ministry. We then, as workers together with him, also plead with you not to receive the grace of God in vain. 1 Corinthians 3, verse 9. For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field. You are God's building. I had the privilege of going to Bhutan a couple of weeks ago on an outreach. We, we had a men's camp in a town called Jaigon. It's half, half of the town is in India and the other half of the town is, is in Bhutan. And we were a team of, of three, one of, one of the team members lost his, his passport was actually the team leader lost his passport the day when we, when we booked in for, at the flight. So we were a team of three and one Indian, Indian pastor that, that came to join us. And we had an amazing time with fellow believers. When we got there the, the evening, they were worshiping in, in their local language and we just like started to worship with them and we just prayed in the spirit because we didn't understand the language, but what we did understand was there was one spirit. It was the same spirit that was there 
that was in us, that was at home, that was there. And we could worship, we could have the most amazing fellowship, just worshiping God together. Now what stood out for me, well there was a number of things that that stood out for me on, on this outreach, was hunger. The people, the Christians of Bhutan, they are hungry. They are so hungry for the word. They are hungry for fellowship. And the second thing that stood out was their faith. Man, their faith is so encouraging. Some of the, one of the guys that I, that I met was three months old in Christ. Three months. Some of them, okay, let me talk about this guy. So when he came to Christ in Bhutan, it's illegal for somebody to convert somebody else to another religion. Now, the lady that started their church, she came to Christ when she was on a deathbed, and she pleaded, she was in the hospital, and she pleaded to Christ because she heard about Christ, and she said, if you are the real God, then heal me. And overnight she was healed, and she started to preach the gospel and without compromise. But in any case, so this young man is three months old, in the Lord. He was excommunicated from his family. They told him, sorry, we don't believe in the same God as you. He says he longs for them, but he's found Christ. He's found his father. You just see his face that lit up with the love of the father. Another guy was, he didn't believe in God and he, he dreamt about Jesus three times. Jesus appeared to him three, three different times. And he came to Christ and he surrendered everything. Such radical faith I've never seen. But I was telling somebody the other day, I can give you feedback. I can tell you about, just for instance, I went to this amazing restaurant and everything was like perfect. The food was amazing. And it was like really awesome Maybe I can describe a little bit better than that. Um, this is typical man description. Men like to have descriptions short and sweet. But I can describe to you how it was there. But I need you to taste it. I need each one of us that is here to taste that. Not only in Bhutan, we'll get there just now. but also here in South Africa. So this lady was... They started the church. She was testifying. Maybe you saw a daughter. She was preaching here one Sunday evening. If, if you haven't come to a Sunday evening service, I beg you, come to a Sunday evening service. And so Janshan was, was also testifying. That's Pastor Christina's daughter. She was also testifying about, about the mother. And I had the privilege of, of meeting a mother in Bhutan. We took her out to a restaurant one evening in, in India. And I know a lot about, about this lady because I've, le- I've heard so many testimonies of, of how she follows Jesus without compromise. The one time they came to arrest her at home because there was just a lot of people that come to salvation in, in the town where, where she lives. And so the police came and they came to arrest her. And when they got to the door, she told them, Listen, you can take me anytime, but you first need permission from my father. So they just turned around and they, and they left with, without taking her. Because she knows who her father is. She knows who she is in her father. Another time that I didn't know of, she, she was telling that they actually came and they sent the car to arrest her. So they came to fetch Pastor Christina, she's about 60 years old. Back then, it was probably about 20 years or so, 30 years ago. And they came to arrest her, and she, she went to prison. And as she was in prison, she was just full of joy. She was just so full of Jesus. And the police officers were freaked out. What is wrong with this woman? They would actually send people to her husband to ask him 
what is wrong with your wife? Is there some mental illness with your wife? And then she would hear about it, and then she would go to the police and tell them, don't ask my husband about me, speak to me. But in any case, so she's ending up here in prison, and there's just joy. There's just Christ in her, in the prison. It so happened that because whenever people would go, go to her, they would have an encounter with Jesus. So they ended up putting her in her own cell, not with other people. And the police is sort of frightened by her and because some of them actually believe that, that she's a god. But in any case, so she would tell them, I can't sleep on this concrete floor. So they organized like a carpet for her. Later, she told them that she wants to have food from her family. So they arranged that every evening they bring food for her in, in, the, in the prison. Later she told them, well, seeing that I'm alone, can you send somebody from my congregation to come and stay over every evening so that I can have fellowship and so that we can praise and worship? I mean, th- this is like crazy. This is unheard of. So normally when, when you get imprisoned for offense like that, you spend at least a year in prison. Later, the town, people would come from far to come to a prison cell so that she can pray for them and prisoners would come to salvation. So after 10 days, they realized that it's better for her not to be in prison. So they told her, no, you better go home because there were so many people that came to salvation. I mean, that's next level faith. Have you ever heard anything like that? It sounds like the church of Acts. It sounds like Paul and how they just, how they just went on. I mean, later the police didn't want to send people to a house because when they send people, they come to salvation. So, so they leave Pastor Christina. She, she just ministers all over Bhutan, just the love of her father and the depth. She didn't have a Bible. Yo, this is another crazy story. She never had a Bible. So she literally learned from the Holy Spirit. She couldn't read. She learned from the Holy Spirit. And later, when she got a Bible, she was so amazed that everything she was taught, what the Holy Spirit taught her, was actually written in the Bible. Such a pure church I've never seen. We were really privileged to go into that harvest field. We were actually the first Western church that was allowed to go and minister in that church. It was such a great, it's such a great privilege, such an honor. The people are hungry and they're full of faith. When you pray with him, you see miracles, you see, but it's the Father's love. It's the Father's love. You know what the redemptive gift of this church is? This church needs to inherit nations. We need to inherit nations. You know that this church is probably, the Stellenbosch congregation is probably the church that sends out the most mission teams of any other church in South Africa. There's no other church that sends out more mission teams than this church. Because we realize that the nations are our inheritance. Not only overseas, but also, yeah. I mean, they wrote about the guys that went to Plate Rage. Maybe some of you guys know. But they went out to reach out to the youngsters that, that went to the matric, after matric, the, the big parties. And they went to reach out there. And they actually, the newspaper actually wrote about these people that came to minister the gospel. This church, our inheritance He's the nations. What is really amazing is that every year, the budget, more or less, to go and reach out is five million rand, more or less. But none of the tithes that come into this church gets used to sponsor these mission teams. Every person that goes on a mission 
has to stand in faith for those funds to come in. And those funds do come in. And you even see some of the young students sell their bicycles. They have hot dog stands. They've got all sorts of things just to go. Because there is an identity of who we are in the Father. Do we know who we are in the Father? So as we go on this mission, we we on our way back and I'm just fellowshipping with God. I can decide, okay, this mission is over. So by the by, it's not missions, it's mission. There's only one mission for man to meet God through Christ Jesus. In any case, so I could defile myself by watching all sorts of movies and all sorts of things on on the plane. They've got a lot of movies on on the Emirates flights. In any case, so I decide I'm rather going to commune with a father because, you know, Many times we've got a mindset of it is going in a once-off. It is this mission that is in April or in May or in whatever the date is. But our mission is continuous. It should never stop. Never, ever stop. As we live, we should be going. But not in a place of earning an inheritance or being religious about it. Don't go then. Please stay. We need to know who we are in the Father. We need to know His love. And as I was communing with God on the flight, the Lord just gave me a wonderful word of knowledge for the lady that was one of the flight attendants. And I could minister. But there's every day, there's a story like that. Every single day, there's a story. Every single day, we've got an opportunity to co-labor with Christ. Every single day. We've got seeds that we can sow. With our mouths, we can bless people. You don't even need to have a word of knowledge. You can go and you can be Christ in the community. Be Christ in the family where you are going. One other thing that, that Uncle Angus said in Parliament, which really rang in, in my head, and I know some of you might know this, he, he says this quite often. He says, whenever you're in a conversation, stop it. A negative conversation, obviously. <laughs> Say, but God, but God. Stop the conversation in its tracks. Be bold and ask. Say, but God. You see, many times our mouth brings out bitter and sweet water. But God has called us to only speak life, to bring blessing to the communities around us to love our neighbors as ourselves I can tell you so many stories of God's goodness of his father's love but we need to connect into that we need to have time we need to spend time with him because as we spend time with him he gives us downloads of his love for people He gives us that same compassion that Jesus had on the lost. He gives us that compassion. And I want to encourage you, spend time with him, that that compassion will overflow you, that it will just be so over you, that as you go, that you can bless people and bring the message of hope, bring the good news, bring the Father's love. There's nothing greater than knowing the Father's love. The outflowing of the Holy Spirit and faith, Acts eleven twenty four and 26. For he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and of faith, and a great many people were added to the Lord. And then a little bit later, at the end of verse 26, it says, and the disciples 
were first called Christians in Antioch. What is a Christian? What does the word Christ mean? Who knows? Christ? Come on, Bible school. What does the word Christ mean? Who can tell me? Anointed one. Amen? Anointed for what? To bring the good news. To heal the brokenhearted. So, these disciples were called Christians because people saw Christ in him, in them. He saw Christ. That's why they called them Christians. Isn't that amazing? As they walked, they walked like Jesus walked, and the people said, wow, this is amazing. This is like Christ. It's Christian. We need to redeem the word Christian through our lives. Because the term Christian has really been thrown under the bus. What does it mean to be a Christian? Let's read James 3 verse 10. And this, this adds on to the part which I said, but God. Out of the same mouth proceed blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not to be so. Titus 3, 1 to 2 says, remind them to be subject to rulers and authorities, to obey, to be ready for every good work, to speak evil to no one, to be peaceable, gentle, showing all humility to all men. Out of our mouths, out of our mouths. Titus 2, 11 to 15 says, For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men, teaching us, denying ungodliness and worldly lusts. We should live soberly, righteously, and godly in the present age, looking for the blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us that we might redeem, that he might redeem us from every lawless deed and purity for himself, his own special people, zealous for good works. Speak these things, exhort and rebuke with all authority. Let no one despise you. Now this morning, I want to encourage you as we're coming to and close. What is the things that are coming out of our mouth? Is it coming out of a place of having an insecure relationship with the Father? Because the Father has called us by our names. We are crucified with Christ. He sees Jesus in each one of us. He sees Jesus. And this morning, I believe God wants to secure our relationship, secure our identity of who we are in the Father. There's nothing greater than communing with the Holy Spirit and the Father through Jesus. Nothing greater. When you go out of here this, this day, I want to encourage you. Don't let the mission stop here. Let the mission continue. Bless the people that are around you. Speak encouragement. Bring that word of, but God, but not out of a place of, I know better, but God, He knows. He knows. And He loves this country. 
He loves this country so much. I've seen so many testimonies of absolute devastation that is turned around in the most glorious testimony. People that felt that they were doomed or life that was doomed. But then Christ came and Christ renewed. Christ made new. He gave hope in the Father's love. Pastor Christina was on a deathbed. From a young age, she was in and out of hospital. Her parents cursed her and they said, you will not live long. You will die. She will die young because she was just sickly. Everybody in the community knew that she was a sickly person. But when she came to Christ, when God healed her, it was a new Christina that was healed, that came about, and she changed that whole nation because she knew, she found a new identity in the Father's love. So this morning, this morning, I want to leave the, the following with each one of us that's here. Make it a priority to commune with the Father. In this holiday, if you've got the holiday, doesn't really matter. Because when we commune with the Father, He will give us true rest. You see, we can go on holiday, we can do all sorts of things. Generally, holidays are even more busy than our normal lives because there's just so much things to do. And the only place where we can really rest is when we commune with God. This week, last week I was tired. Monday, I was, all the exhaustion went because I spent time with my father. I spent time with him. I communed with him. I can't wait for 2018. I mean, it must just start. It's going to be amazing. There's so many things that God is going to do. But commune with the Father this holiday. He will show you his love. Even those areas where you are insecure. Those areas that are still sticking out. He will show you. That's the most important part. It's commune with the Father. And as you commune with the Father, see what happens. See how He comes and He shows you other people that you can love. Other people in your family. Other people that is just walking maybe past you. The lady that is at the door. Or the person that is helping you at the petrol station. There are so many testimonies of God's goodness. Because it's by the blood of the Lamb and the power of our testimony that we overcome the evil one. And He wants to give each one of us, He has given us the seeds. He wants us to just give the seeds out. This is goodness as we go. Thank you for listening. Remember that our sermon audio and videos are also available on Shofar TV. Go to www.shofaronline.tv to download and share.